Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to continue with Luke chapter 20. We've looked at Jesus. He's went through Jericho. He's now in Jerusalem. He's cleansed, he's cleansed out the temple. He's driven out those people who are selling the sacrifices uh, and, and making money uh, in, in God's name and, and, and robbing the people. And so uh, he goes to the temple on a daily basis and he's teaching the people and then we swapped over to John's gospel and we looked at some more detail about what was going on as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem and, and, and how the Pharisees, you could just see uh, their attitude of hatred growing and growing and growing. And they, were t- and they told the people, if Jesus, and they were looking for him on a daily basis. And they're thinking, they even said, surely he won't come to Jerusalem, will he, because of the Passover. And so they tell the people, if you see Jesus, you come report him to us because we're going to have him arrested. And and they, they want this guy dead. They, they want to get rid of Jesus. And so Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And, and sure enough, they want to arrest Jesus, but they can't because the people... They they love this guy. They've heard what he's done for Lazarus and raised him from the dead after he's been in that tomb for four days and, and they're listening to his teaching and they're in awe of his authority and how he's not teaching like the scribes and the Pharisees and the authority of Moses, but he's teaching with the authority of God. And, and so uh, Jesus is going to turn to the crowd then after having this uh, conversation with with the Pharisees, and they asked Jesus, who, who do you think you are? I mean, whose authority are you doing these things in? And they should have known. They knew, they knew the law. They knew the prophets. And they were looking for the Messiah. But they just they could not understand that this guy, Jesus, is God in the flesh. And they, they, they reject Jesus. And, and so after having this conversation with them there in Jerusalem, Jesus turns to the crowd and he tells them, this story, he says, a man planted a vineyard and leased it to tenant farmers and moved to another country to live for several years. And at the time of the grape har- harvest, he sent one of his uh, he sent one of his servants to collect the share of the crop. But the farmers attacked the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. And so the owner sent another servant, but they also insulted him, beat him up, and sent him away empty-handed. A third man was sent, and they wounded him and chased him away. What will I do, the owner asked himself. I know. I'll send my cherished son. Sound familiar where he's going with this? Surely they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw his son, they said to each other, Here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and they murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to them, Jesus asked. I'll tell you. He will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. How terrible that such a thing should ever happen, his listeners protested. And Jesus looked at them and said, Then what does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the corner stone. And everyone who who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone who it falls on. 
and the teachers of religious law and the leading priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately. Going back to what we read in the last podcast in John, they, they were looking for Jesus and they done told the people, if you see Jesus, you come to us because we want to arrest him. And, 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 and so Jesus, after having this conversation with the, the religious leaders and Jesus refusing to answer their question in the way that they wanted him to answer so they could arrest him, so they can trap him, if you will, uh, he tell he turns to the crowd and he tells them uh, this story, and and uh, Luke says the teachers of religious law and the leading priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately because they realized that he was telling the story against them. Jesus was not scared of these guys. He stood up to these guys. He over and over again over a three to three and a half year period he would expose these Pharisees and these Sadducees and these scribes and, 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 and these people who uh, were supposed to be pointing people to God, he would expose their hypocrisy. And they, they, they hated him for it because he, he showed the people who these people really were. Not who they pretended to be, but who they really were. And they hated Jesus for it. And they realized that this story uh, is about them. And because they, Luke says, they were the wicked farmers. But but watch this. They didn't arrest Jesus because they were afraid of the people's reaction. And in reality, and we looked at in the previous podcast, they're afraid that the people would stone them and kill them. They didn't want to die. So since they can't arrest Jesus because of the people, they're scared of the people, the religious leaders are going to change their tactics and they're going to send some spies who pretend to be interested in his teachings. But before we go on with that thought, I just had a thought and I want to share this with you. Isn't it strange or amazing even how when we don't get our way, and we see this with these religious leaders, we turn to violence. And it's exactly what they did when when they felt threatened or when... Their power and their prestige, all this is being threatened by Jesus. They just said in the previous podcast here in Luke chapter 20, they said the people are going to start listening to him. They're, they're not going to listen to us anymore. And he's taking all the attention off of us and on him. And, and, and you know, and so their power and their prestige, it, it, it's, it's starting to fade and they don't like it. And so they're going to turn to violence and, and, and they want to arrest Jesus. They, they literally want Jesus dead they they want him out of the picture and matter of fact they were so fed up with it all and they're sick of hearing about this man lazarus as jesus has raised from the dead that they wanted to kill lazarus too they wanted to get rid of all the evidence that jesus is the messiah they they were going to reject him at all cost and they're going to have him killed by the end of the week when they trump up charges and they have him crucified on the cross but we do the same thing today when when we don't get our way and we don't feel like uh, we didn't get the answer that we wanted, well, we use we'll use force and and, and we turn to violence and, and 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 we destroy things, we destroy people, we we destroy their lives, we destroy their things, and and, and it, it's just a shame that that that's the way people are, but that that's what we do, we turn to violence. And it was no different, even with the, the religious leaders, people who were supposed to be godly. 
and pointing the people to the Messiah and to God, but yet they're, they're, they're wanting to kill God himself, God in the flesh. And so since they can't arrest Jesus because they're afraid the people's going to stone them, they're going to change uh, they're going to change their tactics. They're going to they're going to send in some spies and see if they could uh, get Jesus to uh, say something against the Roman government. And that way, if he if he if they could uh, get him or force him to say something about about the Romans and the Roman government, then hey, the Romans would take care of their problems, and and and, and it wouldn't be their their issue. It it would be uh, it would be on the Romans' hands. And but unfortunately. For them, it's not going to work out the way that they uh, would would hope that it would. But these these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they're 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 desperate. They they really hated Jesus, and 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 what they what they didn't know and what they they didn't understand was, hey, they're not going to be able to kill Jesus anyway because he's there on a mission. He's there to die on the cross for the sins of the people. And what they really didn't understand and they should have understood was that Jesus the Messiah was going to lay down his life for the people they 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 think that they're going to uh, betray Jesus or they they think that they're going to kill Jesus and that they think that they're going to crucify Jesus but but Jesus tells Pilate something in John 6 9 through 11 that he tells Pilate you know, Pilate's a person in high authority, and he has he tells Jesus, "Look, I can let you go, or I can have you crucified, dude." And and here's what Jesus tells him in John six nine through eleven. When they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, "Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him!" Pilate said, "I find." Uh, I find him not guilty. And the Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. And he took Jesus back to the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from, dude? And Jesus didn't give no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I had the power to release you or crucify you? And then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus said, look, this is my father's plan. And if it wasn't my father's plan, you, there, I could speak a word, dude, and you'd be dead along with all these other Pharisees and these religious people. I'm laying down my life. You have no power or authority over me. You may think you're a big dude and a big shot because you're the leader of the Roman army in our territory, but you ain't nothing. I'm I'm God. I'm God in the flesh. I created you. I created I knew you before you were ever born. I knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb, dude. I created the world and the heavens and everything that you see. You have nothing over me. You have no power. You have no authority unless my father allows you to have it. Jesus is talking to his disciples about being the good shepherd in John 10. In verse 18, he says, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay down lay it down when I want and also and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. In other words, I'm gonna I'm on a mission. I'm gonna die on the cross and on the third day the Father's gonna raise me up and it's going to change literally change 
the world. I mean, time is being uh, told. Our, our date in, on our calendars is, is based off the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And so these religious leaders, you know, they, they just thought that they were big and they were bad and they had power, but they had nothing on Jesus because, like I said a while ago, he could have spoken a word. He could have just had a thought in his mind and killed every one of those guys. Just turned them to dust, to powder, right there on the spot. When they were in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas had betrayed Jesus and they were arresting Jesus, Peter tries to defend Jesus. Remember, he takes his sword out and he goes for the head of Malchus. Malchus ducks is what people say and he cuts off Malchus's ear and Jesus heals Malchus and puts his ear back on and he tells Peter he says don't you realize Peter don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of or the King James I believe says legions of angels but it means thousands of angels don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly Peter you just don't get it I'm, I'm laying, I've been telling you and telling the, the disciples for three years now, I, I'm on a mission. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die on the cross for the sins of, the, of, of, of man. And I'm going to be raised again. And you're going to take over the kingdom when I send back to my father. And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be a comforter. comforter and he's going to guide you into all truth. And, 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 and here it is. It's going down since they've come into Jerusalem and, 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 Peter in the flesh is wanting to defend Jesus and he's wanting to fight for Jesus. I'll never deny you. I'll die with you. And he's showing it. Boy, he's showing his, he's, I'm going to take up for you, Jesus. And he's going to cut off the head of Malchus. But instead he gets his ear and Jesus heals him. And he says, dude, this is God's plan. Don't, don't you understand that I, I could just tell my father right now that just send thousands of angels and that is so awesome to even think about he said in an instant i can have a thousand angels here protecting us and i think about uh uh i can't remember if it's elijah or elisha i believe it was elijah when when uh uh his i believe that's the right story i may be getting mixed up with something else but he 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 his he tells his servant because his servant doesn't see that uh, the, he just sees the enemy. They're surrounded by the enemy, and and I believe it's Elijah. He's, he's he prays to God to open up his servant's eyes so he could see. And when God allows him to see, he sees angels all around him, just circled all around him, and they're there. There, the angels are there to fight for them on their behalf. There's we we just. We don't comprehend this stuff. We only see what we see in the flesh and what we see that is tangible around us. And 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 we don't see the the thousands of angels that are out there fighting for us on our behalf when we belong to God. And 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 you go back and you read the book of Daniel and you see this, you can see because Daniel talks about this realm. He talks about how he prayed for three weeks. And in his answer, he prayed and fasted, and his answer didn't come for three weeks. And when the angel shows up with the answer, he says, Look, I've been trying to get to you for three weeks, for 21 days. But I, I was in this war with the, the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. In other words, it, it, I was out there fighting, trying to get this the answer to you, to your prayer. But there, there's this spiritual warfare 
that's going on. And, and, and that's what Jesus is saying here. This is part of the Father's plan, Peter. Put your sword away because this has to happen. And, 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 and if it, all I had to do, if I didn't want this to happen, was just cry out to my Father and He would send immediately thousands of angels to protect us. And Jesus handled this situation. He handled these, these, these Pharisees and religious leaders a lot better than, than I would have. Um, and, uh, and when I was uh, studying for this podcast, I, I thought about the movie uh, Bruce Almighty where uh, Jim Carrey, he gets to be God for uh, a, a period of time. And, and in, in that movie, he had run into a gang in the alley and they'd give him a hard time. And, and, uh, and, and so... Later on in the movie, as he gets a chance to, to be God and he has the powers of God, he runs into that gang again. But this time, he gets revenge on them for what they did. And, and, and the guy says, one of the gang members says something about a monkey coming out of his butt. And, and, and so Jim Carrey obliges uh, on that and, and a monkey comes out of his butt and, and then uh, and, and runs off. And now all the, the, the gang members take off running. And then Jim Carrey opens his mouth and, and all these bees just start flying uh, and attacking uh, the gang members as they're all running away that would be something that i would do in the uh because i'm i'm flesh and i'm not god but th- that would be something like that i would do uh if if i was jesus but i guess what we can say here is is, is that jesus is showing grace and he's showing mercy to these religious leaders because he he was definitely patient with them, and 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 if you think about it, that that's exactly how God is with you and me. Um, despite us continually rejecting Him by the way we live, by continuing to sin, to continuing to reject His pleas, by continuing to reject His word. Um, he continues to love us. He continues to reach out to us. He, he, he shares his love. He shares his compassion. He shows us grace. He shows us mercy. Um, and yet we, we just continue to fail him, reject him, and turn our backs on him, just like these religious leaders did. And uh, in Exodus 34, verse 6, I want to share a, a a thought with you that I have, and, 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 and I want to share a beautiful word with you, and we're going to talk about that word for a few minutes. But I'm thinking about how patient, if you will, uh, God is with us. And in Exodus 34, verse 6, it says, The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. And that's when God passed by in front of Moses. In Psalm 86 verse 15 it says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. So that, there's that, that, that phrase again. It was in Exodus 34 verse 6 and it's in a lot of verses. But it talks about God being slow to anger. Uh, Psalm 86 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant and loving kindness and Truth. So when these verses say uh, slow to anger, it, it, it's a beautiful word that is translated in the English as long suffering. 
And the word long-suffering in the Bible is made up of two Hebrew words, arek, which means uh, long, and af, which means anger, wrath, temper. And it actually means nostrils. Like when one gets angry, you can literally see their nose tighten and and flare out. And and, uh, uh, one of the best examples that I could think of is there was a show on when I was a a kid. I used to watch it all the time called Good Times. And, 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 you know, that's J.J. and Dynamite. And, and, And the father's name was James. And, and the way his nose was shaped, when, and, and he, he, he stayed angry a lot on that show, uh, his character did. And, and when he would get angry, you could literally see his nose tighten up and you could see his nostrils flare out. Well, why, why, why am I saying that? Why am I even talking about somebody's nose flaring out when they get angry? Because that's exactly what this word means uh, when the Bible talks about God being slow to anger, uh, it literally means that uh, it it takes God a while to get to the point that he is so angry that his nostrils flare out. In other words, he is long-tempered. So to be long-suffering then is to have a self-restraint when one is stirred to anger. It, it, It takes a long time to get mad, to get angry. Uh, especially for God. He is long-suffering, and he has shown that over and over and over and over again with dealing with, with you and me, with us, and, and especially with these, in our example, uh, with these religious leaders. But to be long-suffering is to have self-restraint when one is stirred to anger. If we're long-suffering, we don't immediately retaliate or punish the person who's trying to get us to the point that we boil over. Instead, we have a long fuse and are patient with them. We show love and compassion and grace and mercy. Uh, we don't we don't surrender to circumstances, if you will. We don't get mad. That's why the Bible says be slow to anger, James says. Quick to hear, slow to anger. And, and that's exactly how God was. He, he, or he is, he is long-suffering. Jesus was long-suffering with these religious leaders. And, and, and God is long-suffering with us. And, and we see it with, with people in the world who just continue to absolutely reject anything that has to do with God and his word. Uh, they, they don't even believe that he exists. But yet, God loves them. And God is long-suffering toward them. He he is slow to anger. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So Jesus was long-suffering toward these religious leaders, and, and he has been for three to three and a half years. And now that he's on their turf, and yet he is still showing restraint. He's still not getting angry with them. Uh, he's still trying to show love, compassion, and mercy, and grace. Because he wanted these guys to be saved just like he wants us to be saved today. But he also knew their hearts. And, and, and he didn't waste his time arguing with them. And, and this makes me um, ask a question. In my mind, I come up with this question. At what point... 
do we quit trying to witness to somebody? At what point do we say, I give up, I have tried, and you just refuse to listen? You just you just continue not to get it, and you're showing me by the way that you that you continue to live in sin that you don't care and that you're not interested. Is there a point that we give up or do we continue to try to minister to this person or to those people? And uh, I posted this uh, question on Facebook to get some uh, uh, feedback from the people. And, and just about every person that replied to that commented that we don't give up. And, and, and that is my first response. My heart says you, you don't give up because you don't want get people to go to hell. Um, you want them to be saved. But I got some thoughts that I want to share with you uh, that go along with this. Um, because I, my, my, my daughter has, uh, we have discussed a, a situation with my daughter in, a, in the past. And my daughter looked me straight in the face and she says, but if I don't show them Jesus, then who will? And, and she said, Jesus wouldn't give up. And so I, I'm posing this question, and you may disagree with my answers, and, and that's fine, but but it, that's, that's what makes conversation great. We don't have to agree on everything. And, 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 and I've, I've thought about what she said, and, I, and I'm thinking, is this true? Would Jesus not give up? So I want to share my thoughts, some of my thoughts uh, with you about this question. At what point do we give up ministering to somebody, uh, or do we give up? Do we just keep on? So the first thing I want to say is this: everything, and I'm thinking about Jesus now. Everything that Judas saw Jesus do, everything that Judas heard Jesus teach, it did not save him. He still stole money from the rest of the disciples. John tells us that he was the the. Um, uh, treasure for the group and, and and john says he stole money from us all the time and 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 so everything that uh, G, john um uh, judas was filled with the holy spirit and could do miracles he was a part of the 12 that went out when they they went out and, and they went into these villages and cities ahead of jesus to preach the kingdom of god and they would work miracles to back up uh the the message so the people would believe and and, and yet he 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 spent all this time with Jesus, but yet he he was still stealing money from the rest of the disciples. He still betrayed Jesus, and then he goes out instead of repenting, he goes out and he hangs himself. So no matter what Jesus did for other people and for Judas, Judas still rejected Jesus and betrayed Jesus for some money, thirty pieces of silver. Number two, the second thing I want to discuss is this, or the second thought I'll have. There are a few exceptions like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who actually took Jesus' body off the cross. They were members of the Sanhedrin. They were, they were Pharisees. Uh, they were a part of the religious leaders that kept rejecting Jesus. But for the most part, the religious leaders rejected Jesus' teachings even though they knew the scriptures about the Messiah. And not even the miracles, not even raising Lazarus from the dead. In fact, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. So not even the miracles would convince them to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They still rejected Jesus 
and they still had Jesus crucified. And at some point, you know, Jesus, he kept going. He had a mission. He was on the mission, and he 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 completed his mission. Uh, Paul, in his letter to the uh, the Corinthian church, addresses Christians who are allowing a young man to sleep with his stepmom, and they're bragging about it. So this is look, this is a Christian talking to other Christians who are in sin, and they're bragging about the sin. In First Corinthians five, Paul says, "I can hardly believe the report." about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't even do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. What? You mean you kick him out? Yeah, that's what Paul says. You kick him out. Kick him out of, the, out of the church. Kick him out from your fellowship. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Well, that just sounds so harsh. I thought we were supposed to minister to him, Paul. I thought we were supposed to show him grace and mercy and compassion and, and God's love. If we kick him out, I mean, that, then how is he going to know about Jesus and, 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 and be able to repent? And Paul's saying, kick him out. Turn him over to Satan so that he will be saved, so that he will repent. That's what Paul's saying. You've got to throw this man out and hand him over to Satan, Paul says. And he says, you're boasting about this. It's terrible. The church is bragging about what's going on with this, with this guy and his stepmom. He's sleeping with his stepmom. And they're bragging on it. And he says, don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Yeast being a symbol of sin. Uh, he says, then you will be like a fresh batch of dough which made without yeast is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. You won't talk about throwing them out of the church. You know, this is Paul saying Christians who pretend to be Christians and they're and they're continuing to live like the world the, the, the gospel and the, the message of Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit has not changed their life and they're continually living in sin Paul says you kick them out of church you kick them out of your fellowship and, and, and it sounds harsh because we want to show them Jesus we want to show them grace and we want to show them mercy and compassion but Paul says get rid of them turn them over to Satan don't even eat with such people he says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. 
God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So, that's that's pretty harsh. But Paul says, kick him out of the church, man. Turn him over to Satan. Don't even eat with him. Have no fellowship with him. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, this is the fourth thing I want to share with you. Jesus says, don't waste time or don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs because the pigs will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. I don't know if you've ever been on a wild uh, hog hunt. Um, I've never been. My stepdad, when he was alive, when I was a kid, he went on one and brought uh, the, the meat home and cooked it and it stank to high heaven. Smelled up the whole house. Oh, it was nasty. But a hog in a wild will turn on you and try to kill you and can kill you. They will definitely attack you. But if you were to take your pearls and cat, you know, and say, hey, I got pearls. Uh, don't eat me. Don't kill me because I've got pearls. They're very valuable. That pig don't care anything about your precious, priceless pearls. If you were to throw them pearls to the pig, the pig is going to take those pearls and, and just trample them in the mud. And Jesus said when he gets through trampling the pearls in the mud, he's going to turn on you and attack you and try to kill you. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. See, as, as, as much as we want everyone to be saved, as much as we want everyone to follow Jesus, we have to realize that not everybody is going to make that decision. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we say, no matter what we do, they're just, they're just not going to make that decision to follow Christ, to put on Christ in baptism, to be filled with His Holy Spirit. It's like the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink the water. And it, it, it's the same idea. We can show people Jesus. We can tell people what the Scriptures say and what Jesus says and how God loves them and how Jesus died for them and how He was resurrected on the third day and, and how their sins can be forgiven. But we cannot make that decision for them to follow Jesus. They have to make that decision. We can continue to show them Jesus, but hey, we don't have to hang around them. We don't have to continue to hang around them. I remember one time, uh, I think I was 16 years, I had this low rider truck and, and it was fixed up for shows and I, I was wanting to sell it to get something else and uh, basically just bored with it, tired of it. And so uh, there was a, this guy who was worldly, was definitely not a Christian and made a lot of bad choices and did a lot of bad things. And, and I remember uh, I hung around this dude for just two or three weeks. And, and, and during those two or three weeks uh, that I hung around this guy, I, I did some terrible, terrible things and definitely, definitely sinned against God. And I knew better because I, 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 I gave my life to Christ when I was 11 years old. And at this point I was 16, 17, 18, not, uh, I guess about, yeah, about 17 years old. And I, I did some terrible things, some ungodly things. I sinned against God. And, uh, uh, I, I, I allowed this, this worldly person to have, uh, influence on me. I, I cast my pearl 
before the swine, and the swine turned against me. The pigs, he turned against me, and I, I, I allowed that to happen. And, and, and we, we, we have to be very, very, very careful who we continue to hang around with because we want to have the influence on them, but what, what can actually happen is they can influence us, and they can, they can, get, uh, they can bring us down, and they can get our attention off of Jesus and our focus off of Jesus and on them, more on them and in, in, in their lifestyle. And it's it, it, it's a very fine line that we, we walk. And, and, and we have to be careful who we hang around with because the, the people that we make our friends, the people that we hang around with on a daily basis, they have all kinds of influence on us. And if we're not hanging around believers, if we're not hanging around people who follow Jesus, if we're hanging around people who live worldly and make worldly decisions and don't care about God and, and they don't care about God's standard, those people will drag us down and take us places that we don't want to go, places that will lead us away from God. That's why it's so important to be involved in a local church and, and hang around with people who love Jesus and want to serve God, because those people will lead us to the throne of God. We can show people Jesus. We can tell them what scriptures say, but we cannot make them follow Jesus. You think about this. It, it, uh, uh, if, if God can't get these people to say yes to him, then what are we going to say or do that's going to make them follow Jesus? It, it doesn't matter what we say or do. If God can't convince them by dying on the cross for their sins and, and being resurrected on the third day, if he can't convince them by the love that he has shown to them and the compassion and the grace and the mercy, then what are we going to say or do that's going to convince them to give their lives to Jesus Christ? We can love them. We can be friends. But at some point, in my opinion, we got to move on. And that's exactly what Jesus did, if you think about it. He didn't hang around all those people who rejected his teachings. We, we, we just, in the past couple of podcasts, we talked about these religious leaders, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, who were supposed to be pointing people to God, but yet they, they have rejected the very Messiah they've been talking about, teaching about, and looking for for a very long time. We, we looked at how the crowds... Even though they could go and visit Lazarus, even though they've heard the story of how Jesus raised him from the dead after he'd been in that tomb for four days, this crowd that were part of the crowd when Jesus came into Jerusalem was waving palm branches and, and praising him and singing out his praises, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the, uh, 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 the name of the Lord, uh, uh, the, uh, the son of David. And, and, and they're laying their clothes on the ground for the donkey to walk on uh, the Bible tells us, I believe it was in John's Gospel that we read, that some of the people in that crowd were some of the same people that was in the crowd when Jesus, I mean, they literally saw their eyes. Jesus called Lazarus from that tomb, and Lazarus come out of that tomb after he'd been dead for four days. He should have been starting to rot. He should have been stinking. And that's why his own sister said, Lord, what are you doing? He, he's been dead four days. He's stinking by now. And Jesus called him out of that tomb, and he comes out of that tomb alive. 
even those people who saw that with their eyes, rejected Jesus. So Jesus said to the religious people, if you're going to continue to reject me, you know, you know, I'm just going to say that here I am, take it or leave it. And some of the religious leaders decided to follow Jesus. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea are two that we know of by name. Um, some of the priests became Christians later on down uh, after Jesus ascended back to the Father and the Holy Spirit came and the church started in Acts chapter 2. But a lot of the religious leaders of Jesus' day rejected him. The people in the crowds, a lot of them rejected Jesus, but a lot of them followed Jesus. And, 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 and so, in my opinion, what we should do is try our best to live for Jesus on a daily basis. Yes, we're going to sin. We ask forgiveness of our sins. But we show Jesus by the way we live. We tell people that we come in contact with each and every day about Jesus and how he has changed our life and what a difference he has made in our lives and, and what he has done in our lives and what he has delivered us out of and what he is doing in our lives. And we want to share with them Jesus so they can have the same hope that you and I have. And so what we're doing is we're giving them the opportunity to accept Jesus or reject Jesus. And we're, we're just basically saying, here's Jesus. Do with him what you want to because it's your decision. It's, it, it's like uh, what Paul even tells, I forget what city he is in, in the book of Acts, but he says, I've sounded the alarm. I've sounded the trumpet. And you, you, you didn't heed the call. And if you go back and you read Ezekiel 33, it talks about the, the, watch, the watchman. And the watchman, what they did was, that in, the, in the corners of the walls of the fortified city around Jerusalem, they, they had these towers, and the watchman would be in the tower. And, and he's watching, literally watching for the enemy. And if he saw the enemy coming to attack, he would blow the trumpet a certain way. And, and when the people heard that signal, they would be prepared and they could fight and defend themselves. The watchman did his job. He sounded the alarm. And that's what we're doing. We're sounding the alarm. And, 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 and Ezekiel says, if, if, if the alarm is sounded and you don't take heed the warning of the alarm, then your blood is on you. If you choose to reject the alarm and you don't get ready for battle and you die, that's on you. But if if the watchman doesn't sound the alarm when the, the enemy is coming in, then your blood is on his hands because he didn't warn us. He didn't sound the alarm. And that's what we're doing when we're telling people about Jesus. We're, sound, we're blowing the trumpet. We are the watchmen. We're looking out for the enemy, Satan, the devil opposition to God and we're saying hey there's an enemy out there who wants your soul and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ you need to be washed in his blood you need, you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins you need to be filled with God's Holy Spirit and you need to walk with Jesus on a daily basis to the best of your ability we're, we're sounding the alarm we're sounding the warning there's an enemy out there and he wants your soul and so we, we give people that opportunity to hear the warning and they can either choose to accept it or reject it and, and, and what 
that that is our responsibility. And at some point when we have sounded the alarm, it's up to them what they're going to do with it. And Jesus, he would go from village to village, from place to place, from town to town, and do these miracles. And and people, and he would teach them, and he he would give them the opportunity to, to, to believe. But unfortunately, many people didn't believe. But he said, basically, here I am. Take me or leave me. And that's what we do. We, 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 we sound the alarm and we give people that opportunity to believe in Jesus or reject Jesus. And so the Pharisees are going to send in spies. They're changing their tactics. And they're going to try to trip Jesus up. And in verse 20 through 26, it says, Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. <laughs> well, the opposite of that is dishonest men, which is what they were. They try to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so he would arrest Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you, uh, what you speak and teach. Uh, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he saw right through their trickery and said, show me a Roman coin. And they showed Jesus the coin. He says, what picture and title are stamped on that coin. And they say, Caesar's. Well then, Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Now watch this. Watch what Luke says. Verse 26. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answer and they became silent. He shut the mouth of his critics they were literally speechless. And when we follow Jesus, people's going to do all kinds of stuff to slander us, to run us in the ground, to try to discourage us. And they're going to try to convince other people. When they see they can't get to you, they're going to go to other people around you. And, 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 and that's what the enemy does. He tries to convince others to turn against us, that they can't trust us. But what we have to do is be faithful and to keep following Jesus because when we do, those people will be put to shame and they will be silenced by the Spirit that lives in you, that lives in me, the Holy Spirit. They may keep running their mouth, but people's going to know the truth because they see it in you and they see how you live and they will see Jesus in you. And it's possible that it will change their lives. Just like these, these, these men come in and they were on a mission. They wanted to trick Jesus. They wanted to get him to stumble. And they were going to get the Romans to turn against Jesus and crucify Jesus to kill him. But they stumbled. They couldn't get it done. And instead, they were amazed by Jesus' answer. And they became silent. They said, we can't do nothing with this guy. And that's exactly the way it is. If when we follow Jesus, the enemy comes in like a flood. He comes in to discourage us, and he he, he wants to, to uh, turn people against us. And I just want to encourage you to keep your light shining, and 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 show people Jesus, love people, show compassion, show grace, show mercy, be long suffering with people. But at some point, don't hang around them any longer because they're going to bring you down move on because that's what jesus did 
show them mercy, show them grace, show them compassion, show them love, show them Jesus. But don't keep hanging around them because they'll bring you down. If I can help you in any way, if I can answer any question that you have about Jesus, I will do so with the best of my ability to respond to your questions that you have with with biblical answers. If, If I can help you understand the Word of God more thoroughly, if, if I can uh, point you to Jesus, if, I, if, if you're not in my area and I can uh, put you in contact with somebody wherever you are that can help you uh, to answer your questions, to um, share with you Jesus, to give you the opportunity to make that decision to either reject Jesus or accept Jesus, please email me at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com and I will get back with you promptly. I promise you. Thank you today for listening to this podcast. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and your family and your co-workers because when you share the Grinded Podcast, you are sharing Jesus with others and you are, are throwing Jesus out there and you're saying, here's Jesus. You need to make a decision whether you're going to reject him or you're going to accept him. I just want to tell you today that no matter how hard the enemy has come against you, no matter if he's gone to your friends and your family or whoever and he's tried to turn them against you, keep walking with Jesus. Keep grinding. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro, off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.